Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening as we come before your holy word. We pray your word will minister to your people in simplicity and clarity of speech. Holy Spirit, uh, articulate to me what you show to me in confidence to your people. Uh, be the orchestrator. Speak through me. Think through me. Let the words come as exact as I received it from you to the edification of the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good evening, church. Last week, we learned about effective shepherding or learning how to take care of God's people. You know, sometimes when we use the word shepherding, people don't, don't look at it too spiritual. We're just talking about taking care of God's people. That's all. And whenever we talk about stewarding or stewardship, it's, uh, it's very important we bring to mind taking care of God's people is also stewardship. Amen. And what's the greatest resource? Some will argue with diamond, gold, whatever you, but I, I believe that the greatest resource uh, are people. God's greatest resource is people. And it, it's incumbent upon us who are believers to learn how to take care of God's greatest resource, uh, which are people. Um, that involves stewardship or stewarding. Amen. So we looked at Jesus feeding the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 30 to 44, where we drew some salient points for our teaching last week. And we made mention of six points. And the six points are as follows. Don't overburden the people. We looked at that from verses 30 to 33. Jesus didn't overburden the people. You know, he gave them a break. He gave them a rest. Learn how to give your people a break. Sometimes even not overburden the person means maybe you might have to take him off that task and maybe assign something lighter for him. There are, there are different ways by which we can make the burden lesser on people we work with. If any of us are privileged to be in a position of leadership, please let's learn not to overburden people. You can't always demand, you can't always drive them at 100, 180, 200. At a point, you need to slow it down to 50 or even at best zero for them to also gather momentum, recharge, and then get back on track. Let's not be like Pharaoh. Did you see how Pharaoh treated the Israelites? Overburdened. There's no break. Amen. So let's learn how to um, ease our people. And let me read this scripture again in Matthew chapter 11. I like the message translation. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I remember when I read this version, this phrase really jumped out at me that if it is forced, it's not grace. God, grace has an unforced rhythm. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. This is Jesus. This is the invitation. And it's the popular scripture. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Amen. So it's very important for us 
to know that don't overbed the people. Amen. Number two, care about desperation needs of people. When Jesus saw the people, he saw a need beyond their physical. That's a spiritual need. They had no shepherd. They had no teaching. Jesus took it upon himself to teach them. So whether in a church setting or in laity or marketplace, so to speak, uh, let's look beyond the externals of people and care about their, their spiritual needs. Are they saved? When all is said and done, would they have an opportunity to go to heaven? Uh, when all is said and done, would they escape the wrath of God which is to come? Uh, let's learn how to pray for our people. Okay? It's, yes, we do business with them. We might work with them in a professional setting, but let's pray for them. And let's look forward to God opening an opportunity for us to witness to them the, the knowledge of Christ. Um, however, it's not really forced, you know. Can't force your beliefs on somebody. Can only just tell them, and it's up to them to make a choice uh, whether they will, they will go with life or they will go with death. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, the Bible says, but I tell you, choose life. Amen. So we just pray for them, work with them in love, and when the opportunity comes, we present it to them, not forcefully, but we give it to them as the Lord has given us to them. We allow them to exercise their evolution. Amen. So that's one. Number three, care about the physical welfare of people. After Jesus had fed them with the bread of life or the teaching of his word, he now looked at their physical needs. They were hungry. You see, they were in the middle of nowhere. But Jesus did not send them away. He just decided to take care of the situation and, and feed them. So, uh, still, still worship is hard. All right. Sometimes it's tasked upon you uh, who have been entrusted with taking care of God's people to make sure that they are met at each level of their need physical, spiritual, moral, financial, social needs. And sometimes that can be a bit daunting. And with the help of God, I believe we can do well. Amen. Number four, don't be afraid to establish order. And that's what Mr. Hayford just said. Amen. Number five, be generous. Uh, we looked at that from verse 30, was it? No, verse 41 to 42. Amen. Jesus broke the bread. He shared it among the hungry people. He was given. Amen. There is nothing thriving as giving leadership. When your leadership is not given, the people will be dead. It's just like the Dead Sea. Why is it called the Dead Sea? It just receives, receives, receives. It never uh, um, gives out. It just receives. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. Likewise, if we want to have a thriving leadership, we should be a given leadership. Give of your time. Give of your resources uh, to people. Even if you are not a leader and you have a friend, family member, society, community, wherever you may be planted in, learn to be given. Amen. Number six and the last one. Believe in the principle of reward. There are 12 baskets that were leftovers were for the disciples. Because I really don't think the disciples ate. When I look at this story carefully, 
I think the disciples were very busy with feeding and making sure that all the five thousand. I kind of get the feeling that I don't think the disciples were eaten. Because they will be in charge of supervising, making sure that everybody has got their meals. But at the end of it all, Jesus rewarded them. Twelve baskets full. And the twelve baskets were on the boats. If you, if you read the, the subsequent verses of Mark chapter 6, you will see the loaves were for them. Amen. Believe in the principle of reward. Reward your associate. Reward people that work with you. Reward someone that does a service for you. Learn to say thank you. Sometimes thank you goes a long way. Sometimes a thank you with a tip goes a long way. Let's learn to be kind and gratuitous towards one another. Believe in the principle of reward. Amen. So with these six keys, we will be God's um, choices for leadership. And more importantly, a good representation of what Christianity is about. Christianity is all about Christ. Amen. All right. So... This evening, uh, we have the opportunity to go into another area. Uh, we want to look at a protege of Jesus. And the protege is namely Peter. He experienced effective shepherding. If last week's um, text, Peter was among the disciples when all this was happening. And he was also able to pass on certain truths concerning shepherding or taking care of God's people. Uh, the good thing about leading God's people well, or leading people well, is you create a legacy. Anyone who has been taken care of will want to do likewise. So Peter, being a protege of good leadership, good stewardship, good mentoring, good shepherding, is now in a position where he's now passing out certain truths concerning stewardship and uh, for us to understand that it's incumbent that we turn to our text for our lesson tonight which is first peter chapter 5 verse 1 to 4 so go with me to first peter chapter 5 verse 1 to I read, the elders who are among you, I exalt. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Peter's word here is an encouragement to the elders among the Gentile believers. Uh, our last teaching series, for this reason, we took our text from First Peter. And I think we did a bit of um, background to that and learned that the letter was penned down to Gentile believers who were scattered across the regions of Asia Minor. And among believers were elders. 
So Peter was now encouraging elders on how to do what God has entrusted to them. He encouraged elders like himself. And, and Peter was an authority on this subject for two reasons. One, he was shepherded. Two, he himself had become a shepherd. That's why he said, I am also a fellow elder. I talk as a fellow elder. If you don't do what God has put in your hands well, you can in no way be an authority. Hence, instructing others. One of the things we have to know. Peter could only instruct others because he was a master at what he did. And why was he a master at what he did? Because he himself had experienced good leadership or good shepherding. That's all. So it's important to know that Peter became a good leader because he experienced good leadership. Peter became a good steward because he experienced good stewardship. Peter could become a mentor because he experienced good mentorship. So like we say, if we learn how to take care of God's greatest resource, who are people, we create a legacy. That's what I want to say. Now, Peter, being the product of good stewardship, good mentorship, good shepherding, is now passing on truths on how to be a good leader. Amen. So, stewardship is leadership. One of the things we have to know. It's management, but there's also a leadership aspect to it. And God has called every believer into leadership or stewardship. Every believer is managing something one way or another. Every believer is leading one way or another. You might not be called into the traditional five-fold ministry gifts, which is known as the leadership gifts, or, or so to speak. But one way or another, you are leading. Amen. So don't count yourself out when we are talking about taking care of people which is the worship. Taking care of people has to extend beyond the four walls of the church. It, it, it now has to come to who I come into contact with. Whoever I come into contact with, maybe it might just be for a minute or two. We might never cross paths again. But I have to make sure that those two minutes that we come across, the person has to see Christ in me. Amen. That is still worship. Taking care of God's people. Amen. So it, it goes to work. Maybe going to the supermarket. Uh, whoever you may meet. Service people. Let's treat people well. That's very important. Amen. Can talk about still worship? We can only just talk about still worship of time, still worship of you know talents and gifts and all that stuff. But we also now have to look at stewarding God's people the right way. Amen. So, Peter gave some keys that will help us in becoming good stewards of God's people. Now, it's very important that Peter, to note how Peter introduced himself. He didn't just identify himself as an elder. But he also identified himself as a witness to Christ's suffering 
and a partaker of the incoming glory, which is the resurrection. You know, when I read this, I laughed. I'm like, hey, Peter, did you, were you really a witness to Christ's suffering? I asked myself, Peter, are you really a witness? Because you ran away. <laughs> you, you, you ran away. You betrayed them thrice and you were nowhere to be found. But anyway, we'll just take it. I mean, he was a witness to Christ's suffering. Really, he was. Okay. He was. He might not have seen the crucifixion, but he was a witness to Christ's suffering. As in, when Christ was ministering, all the sufferings that accompanied his calling. Yeah, Peter was there. He might not have been there during the crucifixion period, but he was there. He was there throughout all the three years. You know, all the three years came with a certain level of discomfort and suffering because Christ was preaching the gospel. He was a witness. And then he also let them know his destiny. I am a partaker of the incoming glory, which is the resurrection. And based on that, now he's going to talk about certain keys that will help. So now, like I'm saying, Peter was talking about this in the context of church. Elders who look after God's people do this. But these principles don't just apply to church. Are you listening to me? These principles apply in relation to people in general. It's called good stewardship. So that's what I really want us to know tonight. Amen. So the first thing that Peter talked about is shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God. Now, the word shepherd has agrarian roots. When I talk about agrarian, I'm just talking about agric, you know. Um, Why was the word shepherd used? Because... Shepherding was seen to be more of a gentle way, you know, because when they are talking about nurturing, caring, and all that, you see all that in the life of a shepherd. And sometimes people are delicate like sheep that they need to be given that much attention. And maybe that's why the word shepherd is is being used, which was used throughout the Old Testament and everywhere. It, It had a very broad meaning. So, when Peter said, shepherd the flock of God, this is where you actually get the English word pastor from. It's a Greek word called pomeno. The word shepherd and the word pastor all come from the same Greek word. And it has four meanings I want us to take note of. It means, number one, to feed. So when you, when you look at the King James Version, King James Version says, feed the flock of God, which is correct. So it means to feed. Number two, to tend a flock. So you feed sheep. What was the meal of sheep? Pasture or pasturage. You feed sheep. That's shepherding. You tend a flock. That means you attend to the flock, minister to the flock, visit the flock. And when you visit the flock, you are checking. Does the flock have, is the, is the, does the flock has so much wool because when the flock has a lot of wool it, it feels heavy it can't really work so the, the shepherd has to share off um the wool so that the, the 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 sheep becomes light and will be able to walk you have to check whether the sheep has any pests or ticks and worms on the skin all that that is to tend the flock you are 
attending to the needs of the flock. Number three, it also means to keep sheep. You don't lose sheep. And let me tell you, sheep by nature are not... Uh, okay, sheep are compliant. But sheep by nature are wondrous. You see, goats are not compliant. Sheep are compliant, but by nature they are wondrous. You need bags of patience to take care of sheep. They easily wander. Easily, easily wander. It's very difficult uh, doing shepherding. I mean, in an agric sense that I'm talking about. Because you always have to make sure that you are keeping the sheep. It's very easy to lose sight of sheep. You have to keep sheep. Which talks about vigilance on the part of the shepherd. You have to keep sheep. You have to gather the sheep. Because they easily wander off. Easily wander off. They are easily distracted. They are gone. You always have to gather them together. Just keep sheep. Make sure that one is not missing. And it also means to rule or govern. How does a shepherd rule sheep? He rules sheep by leading the way. Most times when the sheep leads, when the shepherd leads, I'm sorry, the sheep will follow. That's all. But sheep, they are very sensitive. They will not follow if they don't know you. So you have to be able to build a relationship with them, attend to them, tend the flock, visit them, attend to them, make sure they are well taken care of, feed them. When you do these things, and when you lead, it's very easy for them to follow. That's how you establish your leadership. Right? So now, Peter is using shepherding term and how elders or people who are called in leadership position should minister to the flock who are God's people. He says, I want you to shepherd the flock. So, in this case, when we talk about shepherding the flock, it means we have to feed or teach them the word of God. That's the meal. Christians need the word of God, which will help them to grow. In John chapter 21, Jesus, who was the good shepherd, told Peter, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. That's how you know you will love me. Teach them the word of God. Feed them on a steady diet of God's word. That's the importance of a shepherd. And that, look, let me tell you, the importance of a shepherd is not to do miracles per se. I'm not saying miracles are not important. The importance of a shepherd is not to prophesy per se. I'm not saying prophecy is not important. The importance of a shepherd is feeding. You need to be able to feed the people. Jeremiah chapter 3. God spoke to Jeremiah that in the last days, I will raise up shepherds after my own heart who will feed my sheep with knowledge and understanding. So shepherding is a feeding ministry. You need to be able to feed the people of God with the word of God. By teaching them the word of God, feeding them with knowledge, feeding them with understanding of the precepts of God. That is shepherding. Number two, tend to a flock. It means you have to visit them, you have to attend to them, you need to minister to them. That's very important. So, it, you know, shepherd, effective shepherding doesn't just stop at preaching or teaching. It doesn't stop at preaching or teaching. 
It doesn't. It continues. You have to get in touch with them, get to know what they are going through, chat with them, get to know them personally. They should not just be people you preach at or teach to. They should also be people you relate to and relate with. That's effective shepherding. Sometimes you can be shepherding and you don't even know that, oh, the person is sick. You wouldn't know because you are not engaging. Should engage. Should engage. That's very important. Amen. You should engage. If God gives you a, a, a small number of people, you should be able to know everything about them. I'm not saying be nosy in their affairs. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about at least you should be able to have at least a, a, a background about everybody. You know, how they are doing and all that stuff. That's, that's very important. Amen. And practically, we, we practice that. You know, sometimes our real ministry begins Sunday after church. You call the members and now they are able to talk to you and tell you things. Things that they might not even want to share on a, a public forum like Zoom meetings. They, they will now begin to like, okay, this and that. And that. So that's where sometimes the real, the real work is. Amen. So attend to them. Number three, keep sheep. Keep. One of the prayers that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, when we do our John series, we'll come there. He said, Lord, I have kept every sheep you have given to me. I have lost none except the son of perdition. Jesus kept. He kept, he, he kept what God gave to him. Sometimes you can lose people, but they might not be people God will have given to you. Like, for example, Mark chapter 6. Jesus lost, he lost virtually all of them. Or everybody left. When he started preaching to them that I am the bread of life, I am the living bread. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life. The Bible said they became offended. Everybody left. But those were not his people. You understand? So sometimes people can leave, but they might not be people God may have called you to. And that's okay. You don't have to be bitter about it. And, and don't develop airs about it and be cursing people and all that. You know, just relax. And then focus. Who has God given to me? Let me just devote and focus all my energies and my attention to. Because these are the real people that I'm going to give an account of. Amen. And then it also means to rule or govern. No, that's, to, to rule or govern means to lead the way for others to follow. Yeah. So that's it. So shepherding, you lead. I don't know about ruling. You just lead and then they follow. You become an example for them to follow. Just lead and they follow. That's all. Amen. It's just like going into a cave and then someone has a, a light, a torchlight, and he switches on the torchlight. What do you think will happen? The one who has the light 
everybody will tail after him. That is what it means to rule or govern. So when, when the Bible is telling us to rule or to govern, which is part of shepherding, it means to lead the way. And we lead the way, they will follow. Amen. So in essence, we are to feed people with what they need. So I've talked about this in a church context. So how do you apply this? Feed people with what they need. Find out what people need. Feed them with it. Minister to people or be vested in people. When you have, when you have, when you, when you want to foster relationships with people, be, be interested in people. Show genuine interest in people. You know, this, the, um, John Maxwell answered something. He said, um, people will not care how much you know. People will not care about how much you know till they know how much you care. That's the reality. People don't care how much head knowledge you have till they know empathy, hearts. So sometimes hearts really rules overhead in this matter. So foster relationships. Amen. Be, 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 be vested in people. Don't be distant-minded. And, you know, someone will, will be telling you your problems and you are so distant-minded. <laughs> be vested in people. Um, we should foster great relationships for keeps. We keep the sheep. Foster great relationships. Some, some, some don't have a, a good track record of relationships. Break relationships. Six months, it's over. I have a new friend. You are my best friend, BFF. You are always hashtagging BFF. If you like, let's go and check your, your pictures. There's so many BFFs. You know, learn how to keep relationships. How to keep relationships. You know, I've, I've known some people here for a very long time. I've known one person here since 87. We are still relating. I've known one person here on this platform since 91. We are still relating. Foster relationships for keeps. Don't, don't easily break relationships. And look, relationships, they have challenges. Relationships come to a crossroads where you have to break and everything, but do everything possible to keep the relationship. Sometimes a relationship will run its course. There's nothing you can really do about it, but it's not always the case. Make it an effort to keep relationships. And then ruling, like we said, lead for others to follow. So sometimes you don't even need to be the boss of your company. Just lead by being an example. That's all. It works. That's influential. At every stage, that will work. Amen. So number two, the second thing that... Peter spoke about, if you want to be an effective uh, steward of people, be an overseer. And this word overseer is where you get the English word episcopal or episcopacy. You know, black Americans, they really like putting the word episcopal in the name of their church. The AME, episcopal and all that stuff, you know. Black Americans tend to use that word a lot. Episcopal, amen. Right, so what's the meaning of the word um, the overseer, which is where we get the English word episcopal, uh, episcopacy from? It has five meanings. It means to look upon, inspect, oversee, 
look after, care for. So from this meaning, overseeing is just caring for the welfare of a person. Overseer is servanthood. That's it. Amen. So when you say you are a general overseer, a general overseer is supposed to look upon, inspect, oversee, look after, and care after. That's what that's that's basically what you are saying you are. And you are a general over that. That means you are a general over caring for the welfare of the overseeing is servanthood. It's nothing more than that. Amen. So we are supposed to care for the welfare of people. We are not just supposed to just shepherd the flock of, of, of God or shepherd people in general. We are also to serve as overseers. Care for the welfare of people. Care for the welfare of people. Look upon, inspect. Sometimes you have to inspect. You have to inspect. You have to inspect. You have to be observant. Or inspect means you have to be very observant. You have to look after. Care for. Sometimes don't even wait for the person to come and tell you, I have this problem. Prospect it and then if God touches your heart, meet that need. That's overseeing. Amen. All right, so let's look at the third one now. So now, number one, shepherd the flock of God. Number two, serve as overseers. Number three, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not by compulsion, but willingly. Stewardship is not a forced thing. You shouldn't feel forced. It's, it's not compulsory. It, it should be voluntary. Okay? That's all. It's not by compulsion. You have to feel forced. So if you are doing it, do it well. Don't do it as if you are forced to do it. It doesn't bless God. Number two, it doesn't bless society or humanity. There are sometimes you see people complaining about people as if they are forced. You are not forced to do it. Resign so that you don't complain. Because sometimes when the complaints make you, the complaint is a symptom that you feel you are forced. You are not forced to do it. You are not forced. The Bible says that not by, it's not a blessing. And, you know, this word compulsion, you see that same word in 2 Corinthians 9. That when you are given, don't give by compulsion. It's not by force. You don't want to give. Please don't give. God wants us to do things because we are volunteering to do it out of our hearts. Not because we are are forced to do it. So, you, you might look at this list and it might look like a tall order wow am i supposed to do all this i'm supposed to feed people i'm supposed to shepherd people i'm supposed to be an overseer with all these meanings it's not false but at the end of the day you answer to the lord why were you not a good steward you answer to the lord amen it's not forced do it willingly Willing service is a blessing to the Lord. Amen. Sometimes you see people complaining you know, about ministry and, you know, this, that, like, wow. It's not force. You can just resign. You can just resign. Amen. 
Number four, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. We see the motives now. You want to shepherd the flock of God. You want to serve as an overseer. You do it willingly, not by compulsion. And now you do it eagerly, not for dishonest gain. Why are I talking about dishonest gain? Not for money, but of a ready mind or alacrity. Alacrity just means enthusiasm. You, you do it because you have a ready mind to do it. You don't look after people because they are dollar signs. Sometimes there are people who want to foster relationships with people just because of what I can get. What can I get out of it? Can I, will I get money? Will I get certain benefits? Forget all that. Just focus on taking care of, person, of the person. And God knows how to reward you. But when we are always going to see people as uh, stepping stones to, to going to our next level, sometimes uh, our motive can be very, very ulterior. Amen. Especially when money is involved. Uh, you, don't, you don't look after people because of money. You, you don't come into service because of money. Any service that is motivated by money to me is a tainted service. Uh, not for money. You don't do it for money. You do it because you, you have a ready mind. You are enthusiastic about it. You want to serve. You want to serve. You feel this is what I'm called to do. Why are you a pastor? Are you a pastor because of money? No, I advise you, look for a profession. That's all. Why are you into what you are doing? Is it because of money? Why are you even a supervisor at your workplace? Is it because you are going to get more pay? Is it just that $1 pay? That's that, that $1 pay? Maybe you were earning $18 an hour and you became a supervisor and now it's $19. Is it because of just a dollar extra? That's why you're happy to be a supervisor? Or you're a supervisor because you want to be of service. You have a ready mind to be of service and help your company. This should be a question you should ask ourselves. The Bible says, don't do it for dishonest gain. Don't, don't, don't be a steward over people because of money. That should not be the factor. Amen. I pray that may our service to humanity be pure, be pure and unfeigned. That means it's not fake, all right? It's sincere. It's genuine. Amen. Number five. Not as lords, but examples. Not as lords, but examples. What's the meaning of this word, Lord? This word, Lord, means to hold in subjection, to be master of, exercise lordship over. Do you know the funny thing? We are not supposed to be masters of people. We are supposed to be masters of our craft or our skill. That's what you are supposed to gain mastery over. Mastery over your skill, mastery over your crafts. That's what then you are called a master. You are not called a master because you master over people. Scripture doesn't encourage that. Because Jesus, who is the perfect leader, when he came here, he, he didn't become master over people, he rather served people. 
And the reason why he is called master is because he was called master in the sense that he was a teacher. He, he, he had mastery over the word of God. He had skill. He had developed his crafts. And he's more than a master because he is the word. And that's what they didn't know. That's why that word master was befitting to him. Right? So when we use the word master, master is not master over somebody. It's mastery over your skill. And the only person who should even have master over should be our Lord. That's why when we confess Jesus Christ, we confess him as Lord and master over our life. Should really master our life. Anything else that will want to become master over your life is becoming a God. It is a sin. So human beings, we are supposed to have mastery over skill, master our crafts, but not master over people. Not right. Amen. So stewardship is not bossing. It's not an opportunity to treat people as objects to your ascension. Some leaders are very rude and crude. It's not, not, not the reason. Sometimes false or false indicators of leadership have been painted before us. Leadership is not having an entourage Leadership is not chauffeur-driven. If you want to have a chauffeur drive your car, that's fine. But that's not that. It doesn't mean you are a leader. It doesn't mean you are powerful. You might just want a chauffeur because maybe you don't know how to drive. One, number two, maybe you also want to uh, be very judicious with your time. You could be reading a book, you know, or doing something. Maybe that's why you need a driver. But sometimes we have all these wrong indicators of leadership. Leadership is not using people. It's not using people. I know a lot. Leadership is not bossing people. Leadership is not kiss the ring concepts. You understand? That's not leadership. It's not what Christ exhibited. And it's not what Peter learned from Christ. That is why Peter could authoritatively talk about leadership or shepherding God's people because he learned it from the best. And we who aspire to become leaders in whatever field we may be, let's also aspire to learning from the best and not look at false indicators aside the Bible. Amen. So... We have to be examples worthy of emulation and imitation. Well, I say that none, you don't have to be a Lord, but you have to be an example. That's leadership. Leadership is modeling. Leadership is an opportunity to model the Christ in you. That's leadership. So whether you're a leader in the marketplace or in the church sector, Leadership is an opportunity to model the Christ in you. Leadership is not an opportunity to prove I'm clever, I'm smarter. Uh, um, that, that's why I'm a leader. Leadership is an opportunity to let people know the Christ in you. This is why God wants us to be good stewards of people. People should see Christ in us, whether in the church, workplace, or among our friends and family. Uh, this was how Peter became a shepherd. Or, or he stewarded God's people. Why? Because he followed one. He imitated one. 
and now he's passing on the instructions. So see people as God's prized possessions. You've been loaned for service. When you do that, it changes your mind. When you see people like you own people, you are different. But if you see people like people have been loaned to me, you treat people differently. In fact, even when you look at the concept of a loaner and then a car you own, do you see how you treat it? See the difference. Some even treat loaners better than their cars. Because at the end of the day, they know the loaner doesn't belong to me. I'm going to give it back. <laughs> they stay within the mileage of the car company. You know, every car company will give you a mileage. Don't go beyond this mileage. Every day you are supposed to drive this mile, X amount of miles. So don't drive beyond this mileage because we will put a, you will incur a charge. You know, you, you don't dirty the car or spoil anything within the car because, you know, it doesn't belong to you. And even if something is sports, when you got it, you will call to just make sure, are you aware that this is broken, blah, 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 and stuff. You make sure not to spoil anything because it, it, will, it will be credited, it, it will be debited to your account, right? Uh, you don't use tollways if the car doesn't have toll tags because at the end of the day, they will, they will trace your address and will send you all the bills for you to pay. You know, so you always want to have, does it have toll tags so that when I reach places where the, it's tollways, I could just go through. So you make sure you, you take care of it. As you, you care where you go, you care where you park. And most importantly, you make sure the tank is full when you hand over the car. Because if the tank is not full and when you hand over the car, you pay. So you, you do everything just to make sure that you are on the good side of the car company. See people like that. God has loaned people to you. You don't own people. Uh, and when you do that, you will treat people well. Having in mind that one day, I'm going to give an account. Do we see people that God wants to, us to exhibit stewardship, Christ-like stewardship to? Do we see them as our own? Or we see them as God's people? If we see them as God's people we will have in our mind that we are going to give an account of them. Amen. Effective stewardship has a reward. It has a reward. Look at verse 4 with me. And when the chief shepherd appears, you receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. This doesn't only apply to elders. This applies to anybody who practices the concept of Christ-like shepherding or Christ-like stewarding, especially when it comes in relation to people. Five things we have learned. Number one, shepherd the flock of God. Number two, serve as overseers. Number three, not by compulsion, but it's willingly. Number four, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. And number five, not as lords, but examples. Like I said, people should be able to see the Christ in us and how we relate with people. And it goes a very long way. Amen. Down for now. God bless you.
you might never know the impact you might have on somebody. The impact you might have on somebody, that person will now pass it on to his generation. That's how you create a legacy. You create a legacy by touching people with the Christ in you and how you relate well. And then you build a legacy from there. You know, Peter was touched so much by how Jesus treated him. Now he is writing it based on how I've been treated. Treats people this way. And he was creating a legacy. And today you and I are reading it. And if we practice it, the person who will be at the end of our leadership, mentorship, stewarding or whatever, will also pass it on to the next generation. I'm done for now. Questions or contributions? Amen. So this month we are doing stewardship and we've narrowed it down to taking care of God's people or taking care of people in general. So I'm done with my installments. Uh, you'll be hearing from uh, pastors Jessica, Robert, and Minister Lily. They will also take turns to teach on the topic of stewardship on Wednesday. Amen. So I look forward to the session. Amen. But until then, the floor is open. Questions, contributions, and we'll be down for tonight. God bless you. Thank you, Reverend. I'm glad I joined uh, this particular session. And um, a, lot, a, lot, a lot has been said that um, uh, the attitude towards even work, you touched on that, and I, I think it's very, very important. But as we've said in our private conversation, before, it's sad how we, we get of these ambitious um, Christian behaviors twisted and being at the top means you know looking kukuti and having it all um, the, 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 the detail that you gave on um, shepherding so the deep the last one, I, 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 it got me looking at some information. The rule and govern, I think, for an African leaders, um, it means you butcher people, basically, or duck people left, right, and center. But from how you explain it, it means having a system in place. If someone comes to church, what, what, what is there for us to develop this person? It's, it's always been that God bless you and prophesy everything that we have been wishing for for them. <laughs> um, whether they need it or not, we just force it on them. And I was thinking about um, having a smart girl, whether pastors practice that, say, okay, here's a new member, let's sit down and have a fellowship. Let me know how I can be specifically helpful, how we can measure amount of support you give and how this is achievable for you and your well-being and how realistic it is within a certain time of them you know we don't 
interface in place, a system that develops, a system that helps rule, not ordinary people about. But thank you for the insight. I have um, I've been blessed. Thank you so much. Amen. Very encouraging. Amen. Pastor Chris is with us in the U.S. now. He's in Denver. He's joining us from Denver. So, yeah, welcome, Pastor. And enjoy your, your, your holidays in the U.S. Thank you, sir. And, Thank you. And next time, come, come down northeast. I, I sure will. All right. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to allow for three more minutes, so we'll be five minutes overall over our time, and then we'll close. Are we all thinking? Place is quiet. Amen. All right, what have you learned tonight? What ministered to you? What one thing did you take home? I'd like to hear from one person and then we'll close for tonight. Amen. 
Mind you, this is not an exclusive responsibility only for ministers. If you're a believer, listening to me at the sound of my voice, you have also been called to feed people with the word of God. That's why you need to belong to a local church to be equipped, to be trained for the work of ministry. Amen. Aptly said, Father, we thank you for your word. We walk by faith. We pray for the subsequent installments. I commit all the speakers who will be ministering. I pray that may they minister in power. May they minister with clarity. May they minister with precision of thoughts. And Father, we thank you that in the next three installments, may we receive a deeper understanding when it comes to stewarding God's people your way in jesus name amen god bless you guys till we meet again uh, next week wednesday we meet but before that we'll meet on sunday in person service god bless you and look forward to seeing you good night